But then even just on the Ethereum side, you've got all these projects that are, that are literally trying to solve the exact same problem, but they're not talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And they're not building together, they're not collaborating. Um, they might be building open source code, but they're all still building their own stack and their own, they're going off in their own directions and not talking to each other. Which is cool, like you want a variation of ideas and ideologies, but just redundancy and overlapping and, and creating duplicate code and, and having duplicate conversations is just like such a waste of time when we need to be moving faster. That is Nathan Waters, and this is episode four of the Blockchain Pro podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Blockchain Pro Podcast. I'm Adriana Bellotti and today's guest is Nathan Waters. Nathan is a futurist and the founder of Peerism, a blockchain-based economic protocol aiming to solve job automation and wealth inequality with proof of skill. He also organizes the seventh largest monthly Ethereum meetup in the world, Sydney Ethereum, and the largest independent hackathon in Australia, Hackagong, a very cool event with an interesting purpose. Hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hi, Nathan. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Good. It's a podcast. I know. Isn't that exciting? You're doing a podcast. Yeah, it's That's a cool. podcast about people. Yeah. What's it called? Blockchain Pro Podcast. Oh, cool. You got the dot com? I do have a dot com. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, and I have a .org as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have a website yet. Okay, cool, That's cool. coming. Coming soon. Yep. Um, so let's talk about what you were doing before you even heard about blockchain. Don't tell me you were in high school. Um, no, when the blockchain I first came to Bitcoin in university days. So, okay. yeah. Okay. So, I guess, uh, where should I start? So, um I did all the high school stuff. That's a bit early, I guess. No, go back to university. So university, I did a business degree and a bit of a comp sci thing at some stage, but dropped that. Um, so I first kind of came into the blockchain scene um, with Bitcoin mining. I don't know how I came across it. I think Tristan Grace, my mate at the time, mm -hmm. um, still a good mates with him. Um, he, we were sharing a, um, a share house in university in Wollongong. Mm -hmm. And the share house was really, really cool. It was like a complete shithole, like massively run down. Um, <laughs> like weird like 60s wallpaper, 60s carpet, um, but we turned it into this massive tech house. So oh, we had all these, there's like I think five or six people living in there at mm -hmm. the time and they were all tech people. So all these people who wanted to start startups and were just playing with technology and just messing around with it all. Were you all going to a uni together? Yeah, yeah. So we all went to Wollongong Uni doing different stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a fun house because actually at one stage, so it's kind of like the nerdy party house. So yeah. that's kind of where everyone met um, uh, before like Wednesday night drinks. And so there's a lot of like, you know, typical university like uh, drinking and, you know, getting high quite a lot and having cool ideas about the future. Yeah. Um, which is where you get all your amazing ideas about where things are going. Yeah. And um, yeah, out of that house at some stage, we actually had two or three startups running out of it. Um, 
with a whole bunch of people turning up. People had employees at the house as well. Wow, that's really pretty cool. Fun. It's like a co-working space slash house slash pot, yep. jackpot of ideas. Yeah, yeah. Place. Well, the guy is making mobile apps for um, iOS. Um, right. And Tris and I were doing a whole bunch of different startup stuff. Uh, one thing we're doing is Lifebox, so like a, a life logging recording thing where you could record 24-7 audio on your phone. So you could basically become like digitally immortal and oh. do awesome stuff like that. Yeah. Is that to record all your brilliant ideas while you were, you know, drinking and doing whatever else to do when you're at uni yeah, times? Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah, yeah. Um, and we also, uh, so Tristan and I also did this thing where every week we'd sit on the couch and we'd record a video um, just talking about that week's tech news and then kind of where we saw the future was going. Okay. So it's called High 45, so like a, looking at like the singularity, this whole idea of like, the singularity is a point where like um, AI basically takes over humans and kind of, either takes off or we kind of merge with it and kind of go transcend humanity, I guess. That's pretty cool. Are those videos still available? Yep, yep, yep. they're all on YouTube. Oh, um, I'm going to definitely check them out. There's some, there's some really cool stuff on there. And actually, that's, that's where, so I, I always tell people, like, um, my history of being in the space, and there is actually proof of that because it's, you can actually see some of those videos where we're talking about Bitcoin. Um, there's one point where we talk about Bitcoin and we flash up the price on the screen and it's like a dollar US or something at the time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so anyway, so we started mining on our computers. So we, Tris and I just recently upgraded our computers, like we uh, self-built our own computers. Mm -hmm. And I think I still have the, the exact same graphics card in my current computer um, here at the Taro space. And uh, so it's like a Radeon 6800 HD. And when we first started mining... I, when I first came across it, I was like, this is bullshit, like, this, um, this is not even worth bothering about. And Tris started mining, like, way before me. Um, I think he got up to, like, 100 or 200 Bitcoins before I got in and started doing stuff as well. Um, when I started, it was about 50 cents US a Bitcoin at the time, and we were getting about one per day on our um, single desktop computers with a single uh, graphics card. And, but then we stopped doing that because it became too difficult. We are like, we are getting, like, less than one Bitcoin a day, we're getting like 0.5 or something. And we're like, this is not worth it. And so okay. we stopped altogether right. and just didn't get back to it um, for some reason. And did you sell your Bitcoins when they were like $50 or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Still a good profit. This is, yeah, this is the story I think most people will have. And I, and I spent a bunch on um, a few purchases um, back in the day, and which would have been like half a million dollar purchases today. And I lost a bunch on a hard drive that got corrupted. Um, I, didn't, I didn't bother backing up my wallets back then because nobody thought... I don't think anyone back then thought they'd go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought it would be a big thing. Because yep. um, there'd already been tons of different digital currencies around. And they were all just fun play things. And, and even Bitcoin back in the day was just a, play, a fun play thing. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Tris and I used to like pay for like house bills um, with Bitcoin mm -hmm. with each other. Um, and yeah, and that, so that, that's kind of the history of that. And then uh, I guess I go into mining other stuff as well. So I mined a whole bunch of other coins like um, Dogecoin, which uh, was yeah. fun. Uh, and then like Kanye coin, which crashed and burned. Yep. And I think another one called Datacoin, a few other ones, um, which are pretty cool. Like these days you don't, you don't, really, you don't really come across too many coins that fail. Yep. Whereas like back then, like that was just commonplace. Everyone was starting coins. Yep. They were worth nothing. Everyone thought they might be worth like, oh, they might be worth like 10 cents or something or a dollar in, in the future. And so you mine them thinking you're going to be rich. But um, 
you, you know, months later, the coin completely collapses and everyone bails. But it's not like it's an investment anyways. It's a little bit of time and yeah. electricity, but not as much as it would be with Bitcoin now, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess just people just didn't know it would get this, this crazy. So you, you've had, have you ever actually worked in some, to some, in, at something that wasn't involved in the space, or have you always worked within the crypto space? Uh, so, so I've mostly been involved in like the startup um, entrepreneurial scene, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so I've always, pretty much all throughout throughout high school and, and primary school, I was like both my parents are teachers, so I was like the ducks of every year, mm -hmm. um, the kind of nerdy, you know, smart kid who came first in every single subject <laughs> and got bullied and all the usual crap. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of, actually, so I first met Tristan. Tristan came to our high, our high school in our year 11, mm -hmm. um, and I became friends with him. And then I think he corrupted me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he like, so after, after chatting with Tristan, becoming good friends with him, um, uh, from that point on, I've just, I've always thought of jobs as slavery. And I've always questioned the entire system of education and the entire point of like, what is this stupid thing everyone's doing? Why are people like, spending all their lives working on crap they don't want to be working on mm -hmm. to make other people richer, to buy houses that are too expensive for them to afford. And then that, that kind of led into a whole rabbit hole over time, especially throughout university and even more so today, of just questioning the entire like society, <laughs> like how the society functions, um, the economy, like how corrupt and unequal and uh, um, just, I don't know, there's just so many inefficiencies and redundancies and duplications and data entry and oh, all this all this is painful stuff um anyway so uh, back to back to um what i was doing so i was doing like startups like i was trying to basically like create a startup uh with tristan and the, the plan was um we could date be our own bosses we could start a startup we could do something interesting and then sell it off and then have enough money to go and do more interesting things mm -hmm. and that's difficult <laughs> in australia because um it's hard to get any investment for anything that's risky or interesting or yes. novel mm -hmm. because all of the investors in Australia play it very safe. Um, and it's just very hard. There's just very little, a, a, lot of, a lack of education, a lack of like help and support in the whole startup ecosystem in Australia. And then on top of that, the startup, startup ecosystem tends to pursue things that are just like incredibly incremental and boring. Like a new marketplace to connect you with vets or a new marketplace to connect you with photographers or a new marketplace for it's just like, ugh, do something interesting <laughs> and stop building silos. Um, I'm becoming like an old grandma, grandpa, just ranting about stuff like... And are these uh, marketplaces like the ones that where people post jobs and this sort of thing where it actually drives the prices down or the value of people's work down? Yeah, yeah, so th there's those as well. Yeah, like, so think like freelancer, think like Tuss. Uh, I was avoiding, air, air I was avoiding mentioning names, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's something I've, with my own uh, project, Purism, I've been thinking about a lot. Like, how do we, um, the ultimate thing would be for everyone to become a freelancer and be able to make enough money pursuing what they want to, you know, pursue and doing what their passion is. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that there's absolutely no platform out there that, that can enable that right now. Like, you can't just go on a freelancer and then just pursue that lifestyle. Because no. <laughs> you, like you, instead, you're competing with people in India and Pakistan who are willing to work for, you know, dollars per hour, like $5 an hour. It's because when you convert that to their local currency, that's actually well paid. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's a penis for us, yeah. but it's maybe a, a week's worth of wages for, for, for them. Exactly. And, 
And, and the way those things are all structured is it's like a bidding war to the bottom. So you're, it's basically people in the first world looking to exploit, like get the cheapest labor they possibly can. Um, and so it's really hard for everyone to become a freelancer under that model because you're working for scraps essentially and you're competing against others who are working for scraps. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been trying to think about how do we change that system to free people from, from jobs and pursue their passions. And through lots and lots of thoughts, I came to the idea that um, it, basically we just need to like quantify people's skill sets. It's kind of the first challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and the way I want to do that is with leveraging cryptocurrencies, but le like in forms of tokens mm -hmm. and having skill tokens so that you can basically have people pursue the, the interests and passions they have in a decentralized marketplace mm -hmm. and earn tokens um, for those tasks that they do. So if they really want to be... Uh, a, a freelance designer or a freelance 3D printer, then they can join those communities, learn from each other in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion, mm -hmm. and then um, basically do tasks that earn them 3D printing coins or earn them design coins, which would all be floating and transferable like any other cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. But as you earn them, it, it would accrue on your skill level. So you would go plus 100 design or plus you know, 300 3D printing. And then if you do that over time, the, kind of, the outcome of that is you almost have like a decentralized, quantified... Um, resume ledger, CV ledger of mm -hmm. exactly what everyone is good at and interested in mm -hmm. and passionate about. And then you can start matching work to people without having this bidding process. Mm -hmm. So that way you could get to the point where anyone who posts a task anywhere in the world or needs some request or something done, it can just automatically be matched to the right person and they can just choose to accept it or not. Um, and I think that that's, if we can get to that stage, that would free people to to enable everyone to pursue their passions and be a freelancer mm -hmm. um, and get high pay, higher paying work as they level up, mm -hmm. um, but without having to wear like all these sales hats, networking hats, marketing hats, like just wear the hat that you actually want to wear <laughs> yep. and just do that thing that you want to do. And the, the beauty of that too is it, it kind of makes us more resilient against automation because right now, you know, if you're an accountant who works 40 hours a week as an accountant and accountancy gets automated, the entire industry, then you're kind of screwed. Yep. But if you're a level 100,000 accountant and you're a level 50,000 photographer and you're a level 20,000 3D printer, then as those tasks, those, those industries get automated, you've got all these other ones you can fall back on instantly. It's like gaming. Like yeah, the better like, gamer you are, the, 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 the better the team that you work with yep. and the better the game level that you play at. Exactly. Yeah. So this, this idea I, I first had back in university days as well, and it's kind of evolved over time. Mm -hmm. um, and I initially called it the jobs RPG, like a jobs role-playing game. Because yep. um, it kind of turns jobs into a game, which is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah. And okay, so going back to crypto, yep. how does crypto fit, apart from the coin, how does crypto fit into your project? So it's necessary for a few reasons. It's necessary for... Um, decentralized data and, and removing data from these silos. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the issue right now is if, if you go post a, a job on freelancer.com, you know, it's not going to come up on odesk.com or what's it called now, uh, we, uh, upwork.com. Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. And, and then you've got the education issue as well. If you go and earn a degree in uh, doctorate, a doctor or something in, in India, it's not recognized or transferable to the US. Mm -hmm. And then even with online MOOCs, if you go and earn a badge on Khan Academy, it's not recognized on Coursera. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these silos which are just, just box people into these groups and they don't make their skills actually transferable. Um, so by having things, uh, having all that data stored on the blockchain, 
it, it immediately opens it up to this open platform where all data is shared and anyone can kind of um, leverage that platform to um, see exactly what skills they have and what interests they have. Mm -hmm. And then also you could, you could have a system where if you post a, a job or a task on one platform, every other platform that's connected to that open database, mm -hmm. that, which is the blockchain, mm -hmm. can immediately recognize it and start matching that to the right person. Um, and then the, the cool thing with the tokens is what I've really, really been fascinated by about with tokens, um, and this is when we first came across the um, Ethereum white paper in like 2013, 2014, wherever it was. Um, the coolest thing was like the whole, we, you call it crypto economics these days, but the idea of leveraging cryptocurrencies to almost solve the two-sided marketplace problem, mm -hmm. um, which enables it enables you to create a token which you reward users with um, for doing the behaviors you need them to do to encourage that community or that marketplace to grow. Mm -hmm. So a great example is uh, like when, when uh, reddit.com started, the way they got that starting started was they actually created, um, the two founders created hundreds of fake accounts and for months they literally just logged into all these fake accounts and commented and engaged so it made, it look, it made the platform actually look it's like it's being used. That's probably why you can post and write it from the same IP now because they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, like, that, that, that's, how, that's how you have to seed a network or a marketplace because um, no one will go there if there's no value and there's nothing being created. Mm -hmm. But what you can do now is you can say, you can tie a token inside of that. And because there's a precedence now with tokens where people know that Bitcoin and Ethereum went from essentially nothing to what they are now, there's a precedence there that people know that tokens have the ability to be worth a lot in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and so then you could say, you can create these circular kind of economic loops where you can say, well, if you do this behavior, good, friendly, awesome user, I will give you tokens as a reward. And you want those tokens because they might go up in value in the future. And so they do the thing you need them to do, like post comments on Reddit or post new stories or get that flywheel kind of spinning. And then by doing that, it actually, it, it does start that flywheel spinning very slowly, but then quickly later on, because um, people do the tasks, they earn, they earn tokens, more people do the tasks, and eventually the token value does actually increase, because uh, there is real value being created in that network, and it all works together. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of people are needed in crypto now? What kind of skills? So someone who is at university studying X degree, Watch what kind of courses they are doing now that they they can be looking into crypto like in the very near future or like right after they graduate or if they're doing I don't know medicine can they look into crypto how 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 do you see that flow going? Yeah, um, well I think I think the whole blockchain tech and it might be called Web three or it might be called like post blockchain like who knows yeah um, just basically decentralization like it's. It's one of those things that's inevitable and it's never going away now and it's only going to um, almost like it, like software ate the world, now blockchain is going to eat the world mm -hmm. because it can just optimize everything and make everything so much more efficient and share the value so much more widely than mm -hmm. anything else that's existed in society. So it, it touches every single industry. Um, so I definitely think medical is obviously one, like say, you know, medical data, um, open medical data, uh, mining that for insights to find out, you know, You've got this genetic disease, therefore anyone else who has that same genetic marker probably has the same disease, so you can all kind of work together and share value, uh, share your data mm -hmm. openly. Um, I think in terms of skills, like the problem I've seen with the scene right now is that it's, it's dominated by developers mm -hmm. and hardcore developers. Like 
lots of uh, you know the initial people were like the hardcore cryptographers and um, mathematicians and, and it's just like it's really out of reach at that level like, mm-hmm. like what the Ethereum Foundation and the, the core developers on all these platforms are working on is just beyond myself and even you know the most advanced developers um, and now you've got the the DAP layer and the DAP layer is kind of mostly still a developer focused thing mm-hmm. and as much as I love developers they are usually terrible at building products that are useful for use, you know, everyday people to use yep. because <laughs> They're in their own little bubble where they think that what they've built is easy for someone on the street to use when, in fact, it's not. Um, so I think this space really, 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 really needs like UX designers, um, design thinking, UI, um, marketers, and um, I guess more people who have domain knowledge in particular areas mm-hmm. that are outside of the blockchain space. Because you don't want to be a technology looking for a problem. You want to be a problem, you know, ideally coming to blockchain and going, oh, wow, that, that's cool. I can actually solve my problem. Mm-hmm. And then working with people from different disciplines to actually make that happen. And, um, and that's, that really harks back to, like, another big thing I was doing before the blockchain space was uh, a thing called Hackagong, mm-hmm. which is like a hackathon competition in Wollongong. Mm-hmm. It was an annual thing, uh, annual hackathon competition. I did it for five years. It became pretty big, like 160 uh, competitors at one stage and like over 100 grand worth of prizes um, and what we're really trying to do is is merge the initial mission was to try and merge the arts faculty with the IT faculty at the University of Wollongong okay. who were like literally on the other side of the campus and didn't speak to each other and they both had the very stereotypical cliches about each other mm-hmm. you know the IT kids are like the nerds that you know can't talk to girls and the the arts kids are the ones that will never get jobs that mm-hmm. sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> cliches but um, but we, but we knew that uh, myself and uh, Travis Wall, who's really cool, he does all this stuff about memetics now, memetic engineering. Um, we were kind of key in like trying to work out how can we merge those two together, um, and merge arts and, and technology, and then that's that kind of spawned into um, how do we attract people from the design background or the three D printing background or VR or AR and get them all into one room and, and doing this massive kind of. Um, interpollination between these different disciplines. Mm-hmm. So I think the whole blockchain scene kind of needs that now. Mm-hmm. We're at the stage where the hype's died down. I actually hope the price stays down. I hope it doesn't go back up because mm-hmm. as soon as the price goes up, you could just get more bullshit and noise in the scene. And it, it kind of, um, it's a distraction from what's actually being built. Mm-hmm. I actually love it when the market is crashed because <laughs> the whole, the, the real community sticks around mm-hmm. and you, you see that more. And you see much more of the developer and the kind of like the, the biddle, like biddle versus hoddle, like the biddle <laughs> gang is kind of where it's at. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that just more people are building stuff. And, and Endgame, I want, to see, I want to see the whole space, the whole technology get to the point where average people who've never written a single line of code before can take a problem that they have in their own particular life, um, in their own domain, anywhere in the world, and be able to build a solution for it on the blockchain and then have that solution be instantly recognized and shared to everyone around the world. So that you only, you only need to, you should only build think something once and have it function and provide value forever for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're definitely not there at the moment. That's another big gripe I have with the scene is that there's all these silos and everyone's doing their own thing in their own silos in a very capitalist type way, which is totally against the whole point of the blockchain of open, shared, you know, creating shared value networks and breaking down silos. Instead, all these people now and projects are building silos with decentralized backends. And it's like, you idiots. 
work、oh, together. Do they do? Do they do that because they are just looking at the prize at the end of their ICO? <laughs> Possibly. <yeah. laughs> Not because they are actually talking to each other and trying to understand what kind of problems need solving. I mean, not not every project is like that, but there's a lot of that as well. Yeah, I, I think it's like、uh, I think it's just everyone's after money still.、Um, I mean, like money is still a massive. We're still in a society where you need money to live, <laughs> which is stupid. Like you need money to buy food, clothes, shelter, and communications, like all of your basic needs. And if you still need your base, you still need to earn a living to make your basic needs. Then you set up this entire competitive framework all across the world, where everyone's like, you know, they're, they're on the surface they're being nice to each other, but really they're cutthroat competitors who will like, you know, drown each other just to like get ahead. And it's shit. <laughs> like, so a perfect example in the blockchain scene、um, is. Let's just say you've got.、Um, let's just say, like, say, decentralized music.、Um, so one of the consensus is、um, spokes is called Ujo, and they're doing a decentralized music platform. And there's a bunch of other ones out there, and there's one I saw today called Opus.、Um, and they're they're literally both building on the same Ethereum blockchain. So you've got the whole issue of like different blockchain platforms being silos because they're non-interoperable. Like EOS doesn't work with EOS when they build something. They're not a scam coin. <laughs> EOS doesn't work with Neo. Doesn't work with Ethereum, and that's really bad. To begin with, they need to be interoperable. But then, even just on the Ethereum side, you've got all these projects that are, that are literally trying to solve the exact same problem, but they're not talking to each other,、mm-hmm. and they're not building together. They're not collaborating.、Um, they might be building open source code, but they're all still building their own stack and their own. They're going off in their own directions and not talking to each other, which is cool. Like you want a variation of ideas and ideologies, but just. Redundancy and overlapping and, and creating duplicate code and, and having duplicate conversations is just like such a waste of time when we need to be moving faster.、Um, so one thing I thought of is like it'd be really really cool to see some economic framework someone needs to build where it, imagine you, you drew a circle around that whole kind of purpose of like okay let's 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 solve decentralized music we want a decentralized music platform and everyone decides yes that's cool I want to be inside of that generic grouping. Mm-hmm. And then maybe what you do is you can still have individual projects, but they just kind of build things very modular.、Mm-hmm. So you'd build like you'd modularize your smart contract codes almost down to like individual functions that just do one thing.、Mm-hmm. And you'd also modularize your design components for your front ends and your DApps.、Um, and then what you could do is like maybe, maybe then if you think of these as like little Lego Lego bricks,、um, And maybe each Lego brick, whoever created it, gets a micro fee for every time it's used.、Mm-hmm. A really, really micro fee, like fractions of a cent, a hundredth、mm-hmm. of a cent.、Mm-hmm. Um, then you could have a system where maybe Ujo is using five thousand of these Lego bricks to make up their recipe of what they believe this future should be.、Mm-hmm. And then maybe、uh, Opus is using four、uh, thousand of these Lego bricks.、Mm-hmm. But together, that maybe they're both sharing the exact same three、mm-hmm. thousand. So it it creates this economic incentive where. Um, it encourages people to collaborate and reuse what everyone else has already built, but it also still enables them to、um, go off in their own ideological directions,、mm-hmm. um, and then they would just increment by keep they just keep adding new little modular bricks、mm-hmm. so that they could use it, but anyone else could use it. And the other cool thing about that is renting, renting, renting.、Um, the other cool thing about that is you, you you avoid this like zero sum game. So if you get to the, this is the problem with, again with capitalism is it creates zero sum games where there's one winner takes all. Um, and we're falling to the same traps again in the blockchain scene. Like you know, you've got you've got Opus and, and Ujo and all these other dozens now, probably hundreds, that are all trying to become the dominant music platform for the decentralized music platform scene. 
um, which means one will win and everyone else will lose. And all the capital and all the investment and all the time they put in will have been for naught, like wasted. Yep. Whereas if you have this modular system, maybe the winner, maybe by the end of this, you know, a decade from now, maybe the winner comprises of a million little Lego bricks that make up it. But those million Lego bricks were made by, the, you know, all of the projects contributed and every single creator in that ecosystem contributed. So they have a little piece inside of that, that giant winner at the end. But it means they're all, they're all earning rewards every time that thing is used. Um, because every time your little tiny component is used, you're getting a little microfeedback. And the so, wealth is shared. Exactly, and then everyone wins. Everybody has money and everybody can pay for music and that's how you end piracy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you should have to pay for music. It should be free. All content should be free. No IPs, no copyright. Everything should be... F data needs to be free. But how then, how, how does people pay for their bills? Um, basic income. Delivered via the decentralized network. Oh, that's like a few hundred years ahead, I think. <laughs> that's like 10 years away. Yeah. I mean... We can think about it now and we can try to create the foundations to make that happen. But I don't think I'm going to see basic income in that level in my lifetime. I think we'll have to. Okay, it's, let's hope yeah. so. <laughs> I, you're way more optimistic than I am. Yep. <laughs> That's well, a great thing. Well, so, something I'd love to, it, with uh, my Purism project, kind of phase two, and I, I rarely mention it because there's like too many things involved, but phase two is like now you've got tasks coming in and being matched to people. All you want to do then is have like a, a bot marketplace where anyone can automate a task that's incoming and if they automate it, they get a, a cut of that reward. Maybe it's like 10% of that profit, but 90% of the profits could be actually reinvested back into the community as a kind of form of basic income. Um, and you could make it so that when they deploy the automation to that task, by default it's owned by the commons, the blockchain commons, mm -hmm. so that the individual can't exploit it for personal profit later on, mm -hmm. which is... Like, I, I think private ownership is, like, one of those things where it's private ownership of your own personal data, yes, that's cool. Private ownership of any type of asset, even, even actually tokens. Like, this is a kind of sketchy waters, but I actually think private ownership of, of tokens is a rent-seeking thing at the moment. It's actually bad for humanity. The outcome of that, the end game, is really, really bad because it, it centralizes wealth. The incentive is hoard as many of these tokens as you possibly can, um, hold on to them, don't spend them, and literally just take the cream off the top. You're a rent seeker. So you're adding zero value to society. You're a leech on society for owning tokens. And so this, is, this doesn't sit well with the entire ecosystem because yeah. what's the entire ecosystem doing? They're hodling. They're hodling. They're rent seekers. If yeah. you own Bitcoin and you own Ethereum and you haven't spent it in the last week, you're a rent seeker. You're actually a leech on society. I spent it in the last week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, yeah, yeah, there you go. So you're helping the ecosystem <laughs> grow a bit. But like, yeah. If, uh, but I get paid in Bitcoin. I have to spend, otherwise I don't eat, <laughs> I don't live. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So yeah, that, that's like, there's so many really deep philosophical things around that. Like, how do we design token models that are actually ethical and um, increase equality and uh, wealth distribution? I think that getting paid in a coin is also yeah. a good way of going around that problem because people, they buy crypto as an asset and something to, hot, to hodl and to wait for the, the value to grow and to sell it. Yeah. But as soon as someone starts making crypto, getting paid in crypto, they go, okay, I have to you know, spend some of it. Even if you have some savings, it's not all of it. And I think getting people paid in crypto will help grow this ecosystem. Yeah, 
because then, like you said, then they've got to spend it to live. Absolutely. <laughs> Which would be good, yeah. Just be interesting how we get to that point. Um, you always need everyone to adopt the same blockchain or the same currency or token. No, you don't. I mean, Possibly. as long as we still have centralized, you know, country currencies, yeah. like we have to convert what we earn to Aussie dollars or US dollars or whatever from whatever part of the world you earn, you can still get paid in whichever crypto because yeah. ultimately you have to convert to your local currency to live. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So any advice for people who are looking to come mm. and work in the crypto space? Um, well, I think just getting involved with any groups that are learning. Um, so, so in my role, at, uh, so I work for Consensus now at the moment. Um, so my role there is basically trying to encourage the entire ecosystem, in, mostly in Ethereum, to build. Um, and I want, to, I want them to build weekly. So these, these kind of monthly meetups don't really do anything, I don't think. They're, they're great networking events, but nothing gets built out of them, rarely. Um, so I want people everywhere in the world, like in every single town, even regional towns, rural towns, um, and you know, 10, 20 of them in every city. I want people, you know, anyone who wants to just start learning how to use crypto and how to like build stuff on the blockchain, build dApps, build smart contracts. I just want them getting together in a room um, with some mates. Anywhere from like two to 30 people, go and book a room at the library, go and book a, a room at the uh, co-working space. Like you should be able to find a free venue that can fit 30 people. Um, just you know, pick a time that suits everyone and just turn up, like throw in five bucks into a, into a jar to pay for some pizzas and maybe some beer and just like start learning together. Um, have, have people learn and then teach and then learn and then teach and learn and teach this kind it of peer-to-peer -peer model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's the best way to grow this ecosystem and, and really, really spread the diversity of um, influence and ideas and, and uh, people who are trying to solve their own problems. Uh, using this technology, because otherwise we're going to end up with a future that's being built by white nerds in Silicon Valley again, and it, we don't want that. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's we how we ended up with Facebook and Google and Apple and all these evil, evil companies. We don't want that. We need people in uh, Sri Lanka and like uh, Pakistan and Singapore and Brazil. Indonesia and like every yeah every damn corner of the earth. We need people in every damn corner of the earth building solutions on the blockchain. And again, build once, have it be used and, and add value to society globally forever. So we're not like rebuilding the same shit and reinventing the wheel every single day like we always do. Yeah. And when we talk about building, it's important, I think, to emphasize that not just developers in the room, we need the marketers, we need everybody that contributes to a company in a way to come and be part of building a new solution that might be automating their jobs, but if they're involved in the whole process, they know where, where it's going, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think like the jobs thing is like, I think this space is gonna move faster than AI will potentially in automating jobs. So this is like exciting and also a way that, you know, we could actually automate society in a way that is where the automations are owned by society and owned by humanity for the benefit of humanity versus AI, which is now being built by giant companies to <laughs> perpetuate their power and control and, and make more profits just for them. So I think we can crack it faster than the AI uh, researchers can on a global scale. And for a better reason, purpose. Yeah, to decentralize, to create a peer-to-peer -peer society where not, a, not, a, like, not one of those like, evil, like, libertarian, like, hardcore, like, everyone fend for themselves societies, you know, even though there are good sides and bad sides to libertarianism, but 
a peer-to-peer -peer society where everyone's needs are met and people have pure freedom to choose whatever system they want, any system of governance, any economic system, and pursue their passions without having to worry about you know, making money to you know, pay for rent and food and, and, yeah, and just a beautiful kind of like protopia of, of you know, humanity so we can just sort out our problems on Earth and like go to the stars and create a Mars colony and do awesome stuff that you know, is beyond what we were meant to do. Because we're just monkeys in the end of the day. Like, we're, we're damn monkeys. <laughs> and we need to transcend this biology. We need to be more than monkeys. We need to be out there in the stars. That's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. Thank you. That was Nathan Waters. You can find him on Twitter and LinkedIn at Nathan Waters. Feel free to send him a note, connect, let him know you heard him here. I'm sure he'll love to hear from you. I really enjoyed our chat. I love chatting to young idealist people like Nathan. I believe we need more idealism, but we also need action. And another reason why I love Nathan is because he's out there getting in the thick of it, doing something about it, trying to hurdle the crowd to do some positive goodness. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you've been in, crypt in the crypto scene for a while and are working to build a community wherever you are, feel free to get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at abelotti and on LinkedIn, Adriana Bellotti. Uh, drop me a line. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you at the next block. <laughs>